it's a joy to be able to uh, speak this morning from the word and uh, as uh, as reminded uh, the topic that i you know listed for today is rethinking the prodigal we have we have seen prodigal many times uh, but i think there is a need for a rethink when when it comes to the prodigal so with that in mind let's get into the parable this is uh, luke chapter 15 uh, and uh, we know this passage well uh, so we will not do a detailed study of it but we will try to pick up uh, in pieces where we need to you know verse 18 he when he comes to senses in 17 but when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread but i am dying here with hunger was saying i will get up and go i you know was you know was it goes like this i would get up and go to my father and would say to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight i'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me as one of your hired men so he got up and came to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him literal literal greek says ran and uh, uh, fell on his neck and kissed him and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his slaves quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf kill it and let us eat and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and has come to life again he was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate what a amazing passage i think but when we come to this passage when we look at the prodigal we often begin to judge the prodigal we have prejudged him and we tend to see him as a rebel proud selfish boy who wouldn't wait uh arrogant who became uh, who looked at his father as an enemy because he didn't want to be under the father's uh, hand wanted a different path of life for himself and so we we blame him we put a lot of stickers on him because that's what the world teaches us when somebody does something like that we immediately call out what is obvious there's there is an element of rebel in it a proud and arrogant and, you know i know it 
There's probably a better way to make money than here. I'll go make something of myself elsewhere. You know, and I don't want to be under this household looking for an identity. Many young men go through life looking for an identity. And this one was also seeking. But then, as you wonder, how would the brother have thought? His family have thought. They also probably saw that as a failure, who is unworthy, a failed life, a wasted life, lost purity, uh, just cut him out and live. He's now gone, good riddance. We know he lost all the wealth. That's a big thing for the family, you know. When somebody loses wealth, immediately family blames that person. Lost status, loser, deserving nothing. Just cut him out. We see him as rebel, the family sees him. Just imagine the peers back there in the new country, how they would be looking at him. His so-called friends, newfound friends, how would they be looking at him? A loser, foolish, easy to be taken advantage of. A kid came with much, left with nothing. Not smart enough. Another one bites the dust. Society normally has a way of branding people who lose wealth in various ways, lose jobs, lose businesses, lose properties. In various ways, and that's exactly what the world is doing here. If you really look at it, that's what's happening here. And then let's come to how he would be seeing himself. He saw how we see him and his family, then his peers back in the new country. And then let's look at how he sees himself now. How he saw himself is another story. That doesn't deserve to be studied. What deserves to be studied is how does he see himself now? Filthy? I've been to the pigs. I mean, with worst of things I've seen, I've done. Unworthy, untouchable, deserving all condemnation. His self-esteem is lower than ever, lowest it has ever been. Loser, I got it all wrong. I wasted everything. Wasted my life, memories of failure, memories of abuse. Maybe I deserve abuse. Shame. No shortage of shame in, in his mind. Loss. Abandonment. Friends I thought were friends turned up to be no friends at all. A complete, a complete rethinking of his own self and his worldview. 
And that's where the father comes to his mind as a generous, a just man, a righteous man. Maybe, maybe the older brother we see telling that I've never disobeyed a command of yours. Look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected, disobeyed a command of yours. Wow. That's a tough life, tough line to follow, <laughs> tough fact to follow. Have an older have to have an older brother who did everything the father wanted. That's probably why the younger kid left. <laughs> Man, I got a, a brother who's crazy, who just does everything. Right? There's no, there's no place here for me. <laughs> But on coming back, see how he sees himself. Deserving all bad things. I did it. I lost it. I don't deserve anything now. I'm unworthy. I'm going to appeal to my father to just to be a servant. So here is how he comes. That's the worldview that he's coming back with. That's the belief he's coming back with. Conviction. Let's see how God sees him. How the father, who is actually God represented here as father, sees him. He sees him as lost, dead, now found. Because he's returned. Someone who has potential to reign, rule and reign within. As his son. Someone who has the father's image. Child of the king. Child of a father. Who has father's image. On him. And. Father also knows. He is the target of the enemy because who he is to the father and what potential he has for damaging the work of the enemy. Enmity of the enemy is inherited. He doesn't need to do. That's a reality for you and me. You and I don't need to do anything to earn the enmity of the, the enemy. It is inherited. The minute you and I are born, we are made in the likeness of our father. And because of that, because we bear the image of God, we are made in his likeness, the enemy hates you and me. Hates us from the word go. Before we even earned it, just being born in God's image is enough for the enemy. Remember that. Never forget that. Taken advantage of by people. Father sees him as wounded and discarded, destroyed, targeted because he bears the father's name 
an image. Imago Dei, Latin word for image of God. Enemy and the captives of the enemy are now seeking to hurt the son to actually hurt the father. Have you ever thought of that? To get to the father is hard, but you can get to the son because the son is wandering away from the father. He's gone to another domain, another kingdom, another nation. True for us, enemy gets, tries to get to the father by getting to us, hurting us, tries to destroy God's plan for our lives and tries to destroy God's plan. That's how he sees us because he sees us as a potential heir, ruler with God himself, with all the authority given. Even we don't realize how much authority we have, but the enemy does. We walk around this life as nomads, little bit of business identity, work identity, and money identity that we wear very boldly and happily. But on hindsight, that is nothing. Temporary, this COVID has taught us. People wearing all identity is gone. Only one continual identity, dead. The time's up. That's a lasting identity. Identity of a child of God reigning within. Here, not only there, but here with all authority. All authority has been given to me. Ask and it will be given to you. We don't, we don't enter there at all. We don't see how the Father sees us. That's part of our major problem with others and with ourselves. We limit our lives because we don't realize how much the Father has interested to us. Even with a young, young, young boy here, prodigal, he is walking away to celebrate, to find new friends so he can have a good life, a happy one. Celebrate. He doesn't realize actually that the father is actually a party animal. <laughs> that he loves to party. And that's what he came back to and found. Well, is this, is this, has my dad changed? Is this new? No, he's always been there. You do not know that. <laughs> See, there's nothing that he can do that would deprive the fathership, the sonship, deprive him of the sonship, that when the father does not remain a father anymore, the father is always a father. A son is always a son, no matter what he does. There's nothing that he could do that would move him from being a son to a servant. There's nothing he can do on earth with life. Whatever you do, you're still a son. Needing embrace, a son in need, a son needing mercy, a son that needs to be unconditionally loved and welcomed back. See, you and I, even if somebody came to us like this, may think, you know what? 
I'm going to trust, but I'm going to verify, like the famous Reagan doctrine in the Cold War. We'll trust the Soviets, but we'll verify. So, so basically, you're not trusting. So I give him incrementally, I'll bring him into the house. Maybe keep him there, outside. Maybe let him be in his clothes, in the clothes that he came in. Let, he earn, let him earn his way up. Let him gradually be welcomed into the family. So often we do that with our workers. Somebody stole something, you move them out. Somebody did something, you know, move them out of the inner circle. Here's the father's heart. There's no incremental restoration. It's complete restoration. Unconditional, complete. Everything rubbed clean. Whiter than snow. A repentant heart. So the response is unconditional forgiveness. There's no suspicion. There's no proof to me that you've really changed. We see that in marriages. We see that in families. Prove to me. No trust but verify. There's no rule book thrown. There's no history of the wrongs done, kept. If you, if you see this, there's no word the father says against the son. The son did many things. There's not one word against what the son did. In the midst of pain, the father is silent. In the midst of rebellion, the father is grieving but silent. The question before us is, how do I move from my worldview of the prodigal that my mind gives me, my life gives me. I mean, this is very important. It's not just a theoretical question we're talking about. This is very important for every one of us here and for others who are not here. Because how we see the prodigal is how we see people who fail every day whether it's family, friends, or society, or in our workplaces. We bring the same scale of rebel, proud, arrogant, doesn't listen, not teachable, throw them out, reduce the benefits, don't give him this privilege, take the keys from him, no access, wait, you know, take the vehicles, you know, them out of the house, premise, whatever, whatever. So many ways we know degrading, lessening the value of people. If we remove trust and then we know how to solve it. Our team around us will tell us great ideas how to move people away so that we won't be hurt. Father is not worried about that. He's inviting us today to move from that earlier worldview that we have to God's heart, how God sees the prodigal. Unless this change happens, my friend, we will never touch people's lives. You and I may be asking why I'm not able to leave someone to Christ. It's probably because they see judgment in our eyes, in our words, in our attitudes. They, have, they may have done bad things in their home, in their work, with their money, with their body, with their, with their marriage, with their whatever. 
And so we put ourselves before them and without even saying a word, they see judgment written all over us as we look at them. And they're afraid to come back home. Imagine the older brother standing at the front of the house when the young brother came. He would have made him run back, chased him away. Many of us have been the reason people have not come to our CBMC groups, to our churches, because they know there is unforgiveness. People who remember all the past are standing even in the churches. I'm being honest. I'm being brutally honest this morning. See, only when we can move to the worldview of the Father, there is a potential care of God who can rule with God with all the authority. Then only the potential for redemption, being used by God to redeem others, is there for us. Until then, there is no opportunity. God has to protect the returning ones from us because we stand there with the law in one hand and with what they did in, in another hand. And what they did not even do, we will add to it. See, the problem, the problem, those who do this have one problem. That's me also. I'm including me. We have forgotten our own wandering, our own wayward lives, our, our own unworthiness, our own list that we came with to God one day. We have forgotten that. We are not repentant this morning. Hence, I'm ruthless with others. Imagine if all of us would be standing where God's placed us with the worldview of the Father, seeing all the potential, seeing all the redemption stories that are possible out of the lives that God brings to us. Our workplaces will be different. Our families will be different. And yes, even our society can be changed. Until this happens, my friends, until we remember our own wanderings and how merciful Father is, not only in the past, but my wandering today, but my thought life this morning as I woke up, the arrogance that, 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 that my Father forgives, all, all consistently, then I would be merciful. I would be welcoming. I want to place that before you, that this worldview of God has to become our worldview. We have to discard our, the youngsters, that's probably why many of them don't like Christian communities, are increasingly calling the older generation as judging generation, as judgmental people, people who judge quickly, because they see us in our words and in our actions. What to be done, my friends? May God give us 
uh, a heart that sees the potential of everyone that God brings to us instead of all the weaknesses and the failures. Let us not analyze them as the enemy analyzes, as the world analyzes. Let's analyze people as the, the God, the Father analyzes us, analyzed us and teaches us to analyze others with an unconditional love. No conversation about the past. Grief when something wrong has been done. Silence when something rebellious is happening. With grief, waiting, yearning for the return. May God uses to welcome back thousands of wandering sons and daughters all around the nation, all around the world. There are thousands, thousands, thousands. Shall we pray? We're going to pray for us some of the points that's been asked. Uh, Felix asking for prayer for an energy order. We pray for that. And for other, others who have not asked. Father God, we thank you for this morning. I pray that you will speak to Lord, continue to place this mirror before us of how our heart is. How our heart is seeing ourselves. Whether there is pride in our heart. Whether there is arrogance. There must have mercy and compassion. May our family see a different me from this moment onwards. May each of our families see us differently because we have changed. Do this for our sake. We need this, Lord. And then do this for the sake of the others that are wandering. Do this for the sake of the kingdom. For we know that we are useless servants until this happens in our heart. Father, I pray for everyone on this call that has a need. There'll be numerous challenges that they are carrying. I pray that you'll help them to leave it at your feet this morning as they begin this week and month. Receive all of those. Resolve the things that need to be resolved. Remove the things that need to be removed and add. Uh, New beginnings where new beginnings are needed. Closure where closure is needed. Pray for this brother seeking uh, LNT, open door, Brandon. Pray for others who are seeking such open doors, wherever they are, Lord, granted to them. Pray for creative ideas in this time. Creative ideas. You, you, you are the greatest and the most creative person that ever can be. Would you give your children a, a part of that? Do it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.